0: kind of scripture that's kind of holding uh, centralized for our our series uh, through this is is John 10. And in John 10, uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples and others who are around, and he's talking about him being the good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd, and a good shepherd lays down his life. But also in John 10, verse 27, it says this, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. It's a, it's a connection to, to God. It's a connection to God through Jesus himself that Jesus calls out to us. And last week as we talked about the person of Jesus is how we hear the voice of God. It's through the person of Jesus. And as today we dive in. We're going to look at hearing the voice of God through Scripture. And all through Scripture you hear in the person of Jesus, but also throughout the entirety of Scripture, God calling out to us. These are words written thousands of years ago, but it's calling out to us today. What is God Saying to us, what does he want us to hear, so that then we can walk out in confidence on what we are to do with it? Um, and so I'm going to invite uh, Joelle to come up. She's going to read our scripture. If you turn your Bibles to Psalm 119, 119, she's going to read from Psalm 119. It's a long, it's a long, long, long passage. But uh, Joelle asked me not to ask her to read the entirety of Psalm 119, but just uh, starting in verse. Uh, 103. And so, uh, if you turn your Bibles there, um, I'm going to have Joelle read here for, in, a, in a moment. Um, and thank you if you're joining us with us online in the live stream, welcome. So good to be here together in person, also online. Uh, but this is Joelle's last Sunday with us before she goes off to college. And there's some, probably some other college students as well, whether you're watching online or here in person, that are going off into a new, a new chapter of your life right? And so as Joelle and other uh, college students go off to their schools and are going to be in their first semester or next semester uh, in, in school, um, I would ask us as a congregation to be praying for the things that they will encounter, and that they can be light into a place uh, that might, there might be darkness that exists, and that they would be able to find uh, places and people of light to help them uh, be an encouragement to those around them, uh, to be a light into their, into their classrooms, to their professors and to their uh, peers and others they come in contact with, but also as they're away from home and what things that can, can come their way, that they would remain strong and steadfast being a light to those around them. So uh, before Joel prays, I'm gonna pray for all those who are going off to college or into their next chapter and season. Connie, this is for you, into the next season and chapter of your life, um, but especially for those who are leaving our community, going to another community and being away, away for a while. So I wanna offer a prayer uh, for all those. And so uh, it just in, in solidarity, we pray for all those that may, you may know who are going off into another chapter of their life. Uh, and let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray for Joel right now. I also pray for others who uh, are preparing to leave and leave this community to go to another one or another chapter of their life, Lord Jesus. And I pray for um, uh, that as they go, they would uh, sense a peace about, uh, Lord, where you're leading them and the things that have been decided to this point. And Lord, that you are with them always. And God, you are near to them and near to them in those moments they may feel alone, near to them in those moments they feel like, man, what, what, what am I doing? What decisions did I just make? But God, that they could trust that you, are, that you have placed them there for a moment, for a season, for a time, for them to be a light. Uh, into those places that you have sent them. I pray for Joelle as she makes the trek across the state, um, Lord Jesus, and that you just be with her, near her. May, may she be a light that shines brightly into those places that she, you have her going. And to all those as well, God, who will be uh, in, in their new season of life, Lord, lead them, I pray, in your name. Amen. Okay, Joel's going to read uh, starting in in 100, uh, verse 103. How sweet are you? Hey, wait, hold on. Yeah, wait. <laughs> Joelle's going to yell it. I just—I'm sorry, Joel. I thought you were already ahead of me on this one. Okay.
1: How sweet are the words to my—yeah. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your percepts I I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my free will offering of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. I love my li- I hold my life in your hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your testimony are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I pers- I incline my heart to perform your statues forever to the end.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Can we give her a hand so as the writer of Psalms lays out here in 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 these verses, um, the one that I the Always come back to often, right? And maybe you have since, since you have heard these verses, right? But it's that, sweeter, right? Sweeter, um, uh, sweeter than honey into the taste. But also in verse five, where it says that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I wanted you to see the visual representation that when things are dark around us, that God's word becomes a light that leads us. So what, what I can see is in front of me, right, light to my feet, a lamp to my path, that I can see what's out in front of me where God is leading me. Let me remind us that as um, in, in, in history, uh, the, the passage or the, the Scripture has now always been on pages or in a nice, neat book and bind, bound for us that we can read. But Scripture actually had to be uh, uh, transcribed, had to be written out on parchment. And there was a time during the Reformation that it was not allowed to, to uh, translate Scripture into a, into a language that people understood. In fact, it was... It was it was a crime, actually, to, um, to translate Scripture into uh, a, a known language out, uh, away from Greek, away from Hebrew, away from Latin, languages that were not known around the world anymore. And so to transcribe the Bible, to, to, to pen it out and to write it in, in English and in German and in French was illegal. And there were people who died and were burned at the stake for writing Scripture in a language that was understood. There are people who, uh, John Wycliffe, who, 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 who wrote Scripture, uh, from a trans, trans, uh, translated Scripture from, from Greek and Hebrew and Latin, that, that the, the king was so angry that this took place that after he passed away, they, they um, uh, uncovered his bones and then burned them. That's how angry they were. A light to my feet. A, a lamp into my path, right? There was people like um, like William William uh, William Tyndale, who who on 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 risk of death sat in a dark room under candlelight to translate scripture into English, and he was then arrested. And thrown in prison, where he was told, You could save your life if you recount and say that what you have been doing is wrong. And as William sat in prison, he said, No. People need to to hear these words. They need to hear these stories and these words from God and read about God's people and read about who God is and what He's calling us to, even now. And under penalty of death, he, he did not recant. And instead, uh, he was hung and then burned, uh, but his last words were, open the eyes of the king. Open the eyes of the king. And now some of you in this room may have a King James Version of the Bible, which almost 90% of the King James Version of the Bible comes from William Tyndale. Comes from his translation from Greek and Hebrew and Latin into English. The years later, the king did uh, did ask for forgiveness and then wrote the the Bible in uh, in a language that the people could understand and could read for themselves. A light to my feet, a lamp unto my path. As we turn to uh, uh, first uh, First Timothy. I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 3. We see what Scripture is for. Uh, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate and and equipped for every good work. Even even Jesus... um, uh, where, where these words that Paul says and writes in 2 Timothy, even Jesus in Matthew 5 confirms what Paul is writing about, right? In, in Matthew 5, chapter 17, it says, "'Do not think that I came to abolish the law of the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you that until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall be passed away from the, from the law until all is accomplished.'" Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom, in the kingdom of heaven. So he, Jesus, even Jesus is saying that the scriptures here that we have here, the, what Jesus is talking about, the law and the prophets, the Torah, and all the prophets that came after Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, he's not coming to abolish them, but to fulfill them through the person of Jesus. That to, to know and to, to hear these words in the Torah and the prophets and other scripture, to, to take some and to leave others, right? Jesus is saying that's not what it looks like. It's all of it. And so in Jesus' time, there are two groups. There are two really two groups who are teaching scripture and, and knowing scripture and, and leading others into understanding the, the Torah, understanding the first five books of the Bible. And these two groups, the first one are the Sadducees. And the Sadducees are the temple priests. They're the ones in Jerusalem. You don't find Sadducees away from Jerusalem. They're there in Jerusalem. And why are they in Jerusalem? It's because that's where the temple is. Everyone who comes to worship God are coming to the temple. This is the temple that Solomon built and then beyond when it was destroyed, rebuilt, right? So this this is where they're coming to commune with God. This is where they're coming to offer their, their sacrifices for forgiveness, for atonement, right? All, these, all the festivals surround around the temple, and the, so the Sadducees are the priests of the temple. But here's, here's the thing with the Sadducees, is, that is with Scripture, they were kind of a take-it-or-leave-it approach. If there was anything that was supernatural, they just disregarded it. It didn't make it into the things that they were talking about or teaching. It was more about accommodating to the Bible for the culture of their day. Reshaping their faith so that they could, could keep, they could keep God Without costing them anything social or financial or personal They were accommodating for convenience Because they had a status, they had a role there as the priests at the temple That, that if, if they offered anything different that caused them to sacrifice their role And where they had been and the status they were enjoying They just, they just set it aside That's not for us For here, here as as temple priests This is what we're about And so I I can't imagine that any of us In the culture today Understand accommodating for convenience That when we do we read scripture That when we were reading it We recognized it's going to cost me something It's going to cost me something financially Socially, personally When When we read scripture Do we recognize that it may cost us Something, or do we set it aside that we don't want it to? We don't want it to cost us, or we want it to be convenient. So we're going to take it and leave it. The other group in Jesus' time are the Pharisees, and these are the, these are the teachers of the Torah. You find Pharisees all over the uh, uh, around uh, Jerusalem and the northern area of Israel, and in and the southern area, but not necessarily in Jerusalem. Right, just a few here and there. But the Pharisees are all around and they're they're the ones that are the teachers of the law. What's in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the Pharisees had memorized it. They didn't need the scrolls to unroll to read it. They had it in here. They had memorized it. They had been to school, right? They had been to Torah school. They had they, they had passed all the tests. They had moved on to adulthood of like these are the people who will teach us what's in the Torah. So if you don't have a scroll yourself, which in Jesus' time not everyone did. Or have all the scrolls. The Pharisees are the ones you're going to. of like, what, is, what does the Torah say? What does God say about this particular area of my life? Or this particular um, uh, a portion of what's going on in our world? The Pharisees are the one to go to. They're the teachers of the law. But they also are the ones to add rules to the Torah. And Jesus would call these rules human traditions. And, and they practiced what they taught in a very public way. We can even see Jesus in his time calling out the Pharisees who were there praying and fasting on the street corners loudly for all to see who, when they were fasting, looked like they were fasting. And Jesus came against this, not the practice of fasting or praying, but against the public way they were doing it. And so how, how, how they were living out the Torah, how they were living out the law, they sought to, to be the authority here on earth usurping the authority God had intended and God had planned. In all of these cases, even in Jesus' time, the Pharisees and the Sadducees are the ones trying to arrest Jesus, trying to, trying to, to, to um, grab him, trying to throw him in prison, trying to get him to um, do the very thing he actually did, which was blasphemy. that saying that Jesus was the Son of God or that Jesus is God. This was blasphemy for the Sadducees and the Pharisees. It's in the Torah. And they just wanted to catch Jesus in this right? And though we read scripture and we see Jesus as the son of God, right? God himself in the flesh. They needed Jesus to say that. And he finally did, leading him to be arrested and flogged and beaten and then hung on a cross to be our sacrifice for all and for all time. And so, with these two, uh, these two groups in Jesus' time—the Sadducees and the Pharisees—we see a couple areas of road roadblocks to hearing the voice of God through Scripture. We have the take it or leave it, take it or leave it approach for the Sadducees, right? The, the uh, these things are good, and I want to uh, I want to follow those. And these other areas, I'm not going to follow because I'm not so sure about them. They make me feel uncomfortable, or boy, that would be really hard to leave out. So I'm I'm going to leave it out myself. So the, so the. Uh, a roadblock to hearing the voice of God through Scripture is a take it or leave it approach. Another one is accommodating for a convenience. Are we using Scripture to accommodate us for our particular uh, uh, season and setting in, in our in our society and our culture? Take a moment to take that in for a second. Are we using Scripture to accommodate where we are and where we'd like to be? so that it becomes a defender of where I am, not a call to where God needs me to be or who God's called me to be. When we read Scripture, it ought to be convicting because in all of our life, there are areas that God is trying to get uh, in, in, in touch with. He's trying to get us in tune with who He is and who we are because of Him. But if we're using this, to just say this is a defender of where I'm at, and what I'm doing, what I'm saying, then is it truly creating transformation in our life? Another roadblock uh, in, in hearing the voice of God through scripture are adding human traditions, adding things to... Scripture and things that are not in here. Uh, A a while back, we had a series of, is it really in here? And there are things that, that get attached over the years into Scripture that aren't actually in here, and yet we believe them. And we believe them like they're Scripture. We believe them like they're God's Word, but they're not actually in here. So to be careful as you read, what is it that you hear from God? Not adding human traditions, or a take-it-or-leave-it approach, or accommodating for convenience. But what is it that we hear from God in this? That, that there are, as Jesus said, um, the whoever then, in verse 19 of chapter 5, whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And that is what Jesus came to do. He didn't come to uh, abolish the law, but to fulfill it, and to fulfill it fully through him and in the person of Jesus, God in the flesh here with us. And he, and he kept all the commandments, and he taught all the commandments. So in the person of Jesus, we have this example of what it is to hear the voice of God, to hear God through Scripture, John Ortberg says this, to be filled with the knowledge about the Bible, but to be unwashed by it is worse than not knowing it at all. Let me say that again. To be filled with the knowledge about the Bible, but to be unwashed by it is worse than not knowing it at all. Those who stood before us hundreds of years ago, who at the price of their life, said, putting this before people in a way that they can read it and understand is so important and I will give my life for it. Not accommodating for convenience saying, okay, it's against the law I won't do that. But is the law what God has called us to uh, the, the, the law of the land or the law of the world or is this putting this in the hand of people to read it and to understand it, is that what God has called us to? And so, so those like William Tyndale and John Wycliffe and Erasmus and others said, yes, it is, and Martin Luther, it is worth it to put my life on the line so that people can read God's word and understand it and know it. And so there, there's a couple differences here. Two main I'm going to bring up here as we, as we come to a close. One is reading the Bible and the other is letting the Bible read me. We're pretty we're pretty trained in those who've grown up in the church of reading the Bible. Bible studies, reading plans. This, these are things we're used to, right? There's all there's innumerable amount of resources in reading, reading the Bible, getting in here and reading the Bible, right? Reading having a reading plan and getting through the entire Bible. The Moravian text that we have on our website is a reading plan for a two-year experience of walking through and reading the Bible. It is good. When I say reading the Bible versus letting the Bible read you, don't get me wrong, it's good to read the Bible. It's good to have a reading plan. It's good to have Bible studies. It's good to be with people who are chewing on what God is saying. But to leave it at just reading the Bible, it may leave out the point of letting the Bible transform us, letting the words of God transform us, letting the Holy Spirit speak to us in a way that, that offers us and leads us into a trans- transformative Uh, Experience with God So there's reading the Bible And there's letting the Bible read me If I'm reading the Bible for information so that I can just know it and and perceive it and understand it logically, but I'm not asking God to speak to me in a way of, what do you have for me? What are you saying to me in this? Is there conviction for me in my life? Are there things that I need to repent from in my life today? Are there things that I have said that when I read this scripture, there is a transformation that needs to take place because I'm laying it down, God. I'm laying it down because there's something in in these words— You're calling me into a relationship deeper and more intimate with you. And so letting the Bible read me is when you come across the portion of Scripture where there's a tension that exists. There's a tension that exists maybe in your present circumstance that when you read Scripture, it causes you to stop and acknowledge that tension and address it and ask God to to clearly lead you into a way and a path of transformation. Or in reading the Bible that we come across tension and we move on quickly Because if I have to sit here too long I'm not sure if I can handle that If I have to sit in that tension or the paradox Or in in God through scripture reshaping my worldview To look more like God and less like mine or the world If we're unwilling to sit in that moment Likely transformation is going to come slowly or not at all but when we come into, into places, when we read scripture of confusion and disorientation, do you see it as an invitation to sit and not retreat? To sit with God, to sit and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Do you when, confusion and disorientation when you read scripture of I'm not really sure how I, how I feel about what I just read or there's a convicting piece in this scripture where I'm, it's calling into question what just happened in my life today or this week. We're we willing to sit with God in that confusion and disorientation and let the Spirit speak to us to seek transformation. Because again, I think we we'll could go back to the John Ortberg, Ortberg quote that to be filled with the knowledge of the Bible but to be unwashed by it is worse than knowing it at all. Do you let this Scripture, God's Word, wash over and through you to seek transformation? Because the words in these pages are transformative. But over the centuries, there are some who have treated the words in these pages like information, just to know it. God's words are not just to be known, but to transform and to transform, to look more like God, to be intimate in a way with him that we have not, not experienced before, that deeper and deeper and deeper, to, to sit with God in those moments, to not retreat, but to stay there and discover more of who God is and who we are because of him. With there, like I said, there is innumerable amount of resources that exist for a reading plan or a Bible study, uh, but in those moments, will you let the Bible read you? And on, on our website, on the Moravian Daily Text page, we have um, uh, a, a practice here. Some of you have had practices when you're in your, in your Bible study time, and if you do and they're life-giving, don't, I'm not inviting you to change anything. <laughs> if, if they are so filling and, and, and filled with God's spirit and movement in your life, don't change a thing, keep going. But if you are in a place where you're like, I'm, I need a bit more, I need something where I need to hear the voice of God. As I read scripture, I need to hear from him. Because I feel, I sense I'm missing that. But I want to invite you in this practice of, um, of, of bread. It's super small up here. But the first one is, is breathe. You can pull it up on your phone. But the first one is breathe. Take a moment to be still before God. That sometimes in our, in our study time, in, the, in whatever takes place, uh, we might find that there's distractions that come in from all, all kinds of places and all kinds of ways. So breathe, take a moment to be still before God, right? Then read the scripture, and read it slowly, go over it again and again and again. And then the, the, the encounter, encounter what, what is the takeaway? What is a, a verse, a word, something God has for you for that day? Something to take with you into your, into your conversations, into your actions, into your workplace, into your school. Take it with you, encounter God through that. Um, And then it's um, apply. What does it look like to step out into those places and to apply it into a a way that brings light and life into those that you are in in relationship with, into those areas that you're going to be for that day? And then devote. uh, uh, This one is an invitation to write right out of prayer. Devote yourself to God that in this way there'll be a transformative work that's taking place in my life today. I think too often that we, we sing songs uh, worshiping to God and we read scripture that are, that are transformative and we just do that, we read it and we sing it. Church, if we're, re- if we're singing a song about being the resurrection and being people of the resurrection, are we living out that kind of life? Are we celebratory that my life is not my own, but has been redeemed by the by the God of the universe through Jesus Christ his son? Am I living out that kind of life? When I read his scripture and a story about Jesus and what he's inviting us into, am I living out that kind of life and that lifestyle? Am I celebratory that my life has been redeemed? My life has been redeemed. I think the beautiful part about this morning is that we celebrate a dear sister who li- has lived a life and continues to li- live a life that recognizes that in her redemption through Jesus Christ, there, is, there are relationships that I can affect. People in this room, you are here because Connie has affected your life in a way that has been so, so positive and so transformative. Connie is is an example of living that kind of life, and there are others in this room who have lived that kind of life. Connie, I'm sorry to bring your name into this sermon, but your example is a person who has been so uh, affected and effective in this congregation for this church family. There are people in this room who are changed because of you. There are people in this room. Yes. There are people in this room who you are according to the people in your life. You are the one holding up the lamp in those dark places. When people call you, they're calling you because they know that you carry this light. It is a lamp unto your feet, a light unto your path. They call you, they reach out to you because they know you have that light. And so when we when we read scripture, do we see it transforming us? Do we see it transforming our everyday life? against some other opportunities and some other um, resources that exist and they exist both individually and collectively because this life is not to be lived alone. There can be some really lonely moments in this life, but when we do it together, when we engage and read scripture together and and then we ask, what is God saying to us collectively? Man, we can really see God move in a way that we maybe never have before. And so in those moments of disorientation and confusion, Will you, will you stay and sit with God rather than retreat? A couple questions to close with, just for you to ponder and think about as, you, as, we, as we think about hearing the voice of God through Scripture. The first one, as it relates to the Bible and God's voice, what are your initial thoughts and reactions? Some of you maybe have grown up in traditions where the Bible is just to be read and to be read uh, so that you know the information that, and the stories that exist in Scripture. C3 is a church that believes that the, what ru- is written in here is transformative. Yes, it's good. It is, we need to know it and understand it, but also we need to be changed and transformed because of it. The other question is, what obstacles do you face as you consider reading the Bible every day? These could be internal obstacles like anxiety or perfectionism or boredom or add whatever it is for you, or external obstacles like kids or shifting schedules or the... the The one thing that happens to just distract every time. What is it that keeps you from being in the Bible every day? And the last question, think about this. Mark this wherever you need to, but mark this date. In a year, what would you like your relationship with the Bible to look like? In a year, mark the date today. What would you like your relationship with the Bible to be in a year? What would you like it to be like? What do you hope and desire for God to do in your life this year as you dive into his word? Lord Jesus, you are a good God, and we are your people. We are the sheep of your pasture that you have led us out into green grass, into fertile land, and to pasture that you have called us to go. And you have welcomed us back in where you are at the gate. You are the gate. And, you're, and, and, and Jesus, you sit at that gate protecting your, your sheep. We are your sheep who hear your voice and we follow you, Lord God. I pray this morning as we um, desire to hear more of you through your scripture, that even now we would hear your voice. An invitation, God, to, to go deeper, especially in those moments, God, where there is uncertainty or disorientation or confusion. That, God, we would go deeper with you and recognize there is an invitation, God, to be your people in your pasture, protected and loved by you, God. Lead us, I pray, in this time. In your name. Amen.